If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of BSN Rockies. With me today, BSN Rockies beat writer Patrick Lyons on to discuss primarily the major league debuts of Rico Garcia and Sam Hilliard, a a tale of two differently (laughs) uh, resulting debuts anyway. Though, as we saw after the game, uh, Rico Garcia was still in high spirits to an extent. Uh, We want to go through all of that. Uh, obviously, as we get to these games in the season, as we've talked about, we won't be going down through every pitch of the Rockies' 10-6 to loss to the Boston Red Sox and the strategic decisions that may or may not have done whatever to cost them the game. That's not really the headspace I think anyone is in at this point of the season. And so we're going to focus primarily on these two youngsters. And I want to begin with the one I'm far far less familiar with and I, and I think that's probably the the case across the board um, Rico Garcia as you wrote in what I uh, I know you're sitting here and people most people have already subscribed but if you haven't man subscribe because I think it was a fantastic article about the journey of this guy taken in the 30th round from a school you don't hear a lot, as, as, as you know, and we'll get into this, not zero major leaguers out of Hawaii, but it doesn't happen a lot. And um, 
much like Tim Melville, the, the story of the week for the Rockies, this is a guy who was at a long path to this point. It didn't go the way he would have wanted. He got knocked around a little bit by the defending champs. Hey, welcome to the big leagues, kid. Uh, here are the Boston Red Sox. But from a whole journey standpoint, the game as well, what was your big takeaway from the fact that Rico Garcia made his major league debut after everything he's been through so far in his career? Well, the the biggest piece I think that, that jumped out at me is how quickly he did this. You know, he was only selected in, in 2016, and if you're a subscriber and you read that article, you know that of the 41 first-round draft picks, uh, 32 have yet to even made an appearance in the majors. So he was taken 890th, and yet he jumped past 32 different first-round picks to make his debut. Certainly some of that has to do with the, the Rockies' misfortune right now and their starting pitching, but he uh, definitely earned that start yesterday, regardless of whatever his ERA may have been in, in Albuquerque, and we can that, that's been several previous podcasts that you've, you've touched on and we've discussed. It's crazy out there in the PCL. It really is. But uh, not only that, like you said, I mean, there are two things to the opportunity. Yes, he's probably not pitching in the big leagues this year if the Rockies are fully healthy in the rotation. Let's be totally honest about that. But whatever the old thing about luck is where opportunity meets preparation, it's not just that Rico was literally the only live arm available there there are guys on the shelf but also Rico pitched really really well in double a and he was starting to handle triple a and starting to handle the pcl is speaks volumes so i think his performance while on paper with the seven plus era whatever it was there in triple a might not blow the average fan away or might have him scratching their head really they called up this guy is the best they can do and then he goes out and gives up six runs i, I believe it was in, in, in just a handful of innings there, and you might be going, this, they're scraping the barrel now. The Rockies are out there, but he's, he's been rushed. I think it's fair to say he's been rushed a little bit, but his performance suggested that the Rockies don't believe that this is going to break him, and in fact, this is going to be great experience for him. Yeah, you could say much of the same for Tim Melville. You know, he had an incredibly high ERA in Albuquerque, but anyone down there who saw him pitch and, and really watched those games, which you can only do if you have MLB.tv uh, package, so not too many folks are, are, are spending the money on that. But if you did watch those games, Tim Melville pitched a lot better than what his ERA displayed. You know, when you're down there just pretty much trying to eat innings, stretch your arm out, hit a, you know, maybe a pitch uh, limit, if you will, and, and save the other guys that are in that bullpen. It's about development. So it's about saying, all right, you don't have your best stuff working today, and it's the third inning, and you've already given up five runs. Well, you know, in, in the bigs, you're, you're probably done by that point. But down in AAA, even in AA, uh, at any level, really, look, you're trying to develop, and we're trying to make you a stronger pitcher, build up that arm strength, get through some adversity. Right. You're throwing 85 pitches today no matter how ugly they are. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely right. right. So, ones are you may end up going five innings and you're giving up, you know, 11 earned runs, whatever it may be. So, you know, Garcia uh, certainly would have loved to have a better start. It was, it was his career high with, with five walks. And that's been one area where he's really kind of been incredibly effective is, you know, throwing strikes. He has about a, you know, three to one uh, strikeout to walk ratio as he got to the higher levels of the minors. Um, so he, he doesn't, you know, fan a lot of guys. And it's definitely hard to do that when you're only throwing about 90 miles an hour. But he, he, he lets the, the ball stay down in the zone. He has great command in that way, and that's how he has, had been so effective. You know, it, when, you, when you lack the size that he does, you know, 5'11 and maybe more like 5'10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we both stood next to him. Yeah. You know, you're, what you do on the field, the, the results are the, the biggest takeaway. And when you do it in Division Two, it's like, well, the, the competition wasn't that great. But we'll give you a shot. Then you do it in the low levels of the minors, and well, again, maybe it's it could be the competition and a little bit of luck. But uh, when you do it for as long enough as as he did when he was down in the relative hitters' haven of the California League, you know, you start to believe like you know what, there's there's something to this. It might not be flashy. He might not be the the biggest guy in the world, and maybe more likely one of the smaller guys in the world. But when you get it done on the field, that's the bottom line. And, and unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see that yesterday at Rico Garcia, but he's definitely going to get more opportunities uh, in this next month in September. Yeah, and that is, you know, we, we've talked about the silver linings to the injuries or whatever else is going on for the Rockies and for uh, other people's losses or Rico Garcia's gains. He's going to get another opportunity to try to build on what it was he did to maybe try to settle down, have, like you said, a, a start that's more typical of what he was doing in the minors where sometimes young guys that come up aren't given that opportunity with the Rockies out of it here, final month of the season, and with them really just needing guys to eat up some innings at this point with, with everybody they've got out there on the shelf. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how – Garcia handles it and then more importantly how he's able to handle this experience once he goes back to presumably to AAA at the beginning of next year as the Rockies are healthy uh, maybe does do the Rockies think he's an interesting conversion candidate for the bullpen uh, if they want to maybe rush him back to the big leagues if they're liking what they're seeing but the numbers are, are, are keeping him out of the rotation you know this is an area we've talked about a lot where they're going to need some help uh, through the offseason going into next year is the bullpen, and he could be an option there. So as a starter, you get five or six innings out of him every time to see what he's got. I, I think it's a good opportunity to, to get a look at him. He definitely could be one of those good flex candidates, you know, to be a, a spot starter and, and go to the bullpen. And, and some guys have um, better luck with this than others. You know, I know in, in the past couple of years, Jeff Hoffman had some difficulties doing that, um, pitching out of the bullpen and then starting. Chad Bettis had the same issues. Now he's strictly a bullpen guy. But there are several, you know, there, there are many starters um, on, on many teams that, you know, they kind of need to get that opportunity, uh, get that experience under their belt, and then finally they, they take off. But in the meantime, look, we'd rather have you in the bullpen. And, and some guys can actually do both. You know, it's, it's yeah, different mindsets and you're doing different things. But uh, if your stuff plays, your, your stuff is going to play. Uh, as a starter in addition to a reliever. So um, Garcia could be a good candidate for that. I, I did uh, ask him before uh, he got sent down on uh, Wednesday, you know, if, if kind of this today was the start of like a new season for him of like, all right, now I, I got this uh, out of the way and obviously a positive way. Now I'm, I'm ready for the next thing to really establish myself. And he was like, no, 
No, not not at all. I'm 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 set to continue to do what I've been doing, have my growth. Uh, I know what I need to work on. I'm going to do that. But it wasn't this, uh, you know, big life changing moment in that way. I mean, certainly he's going to have all these memories to take away, and it was, you know, the culmination of all those years of hard work. But it's it's not like he's a new person now. You know, he still has goals that he wants to to set and sure making to the majors is one of those goals but now he has a there's a there's a long list there's a slew of things he now wants to get to now that he's gotten that first one out of the way and uh we definitely look forward to to seeing that and 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 writing more about that for bsn yeah you know i thought his demeanor afterwards was really interesting it was pretty clear he was trying to be very cognizant of the fact that he got he rocked a little bit and 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 that they lost the game um but he was trying to fight back a smile and was, I would say, 70% unsuccessful. It was clear he was still just thrilled to be in the big leagues. And like you said, was also very, he was very in tune with the questions that we were asking. I think less about the bigness of his debut. He talked about those things too. But I felt like he was giving us even a little bit more on questions that were about how are you going to build on this for your next start? What were some of the technical things you were doing out there? How are you going to limit the walks for next time out? He wanted, to do, like you said, he was, which suggests to me he's very much a, a guy of process. And that can be a very good mindset to have when you're a pitcher as to someone who, who plays the sort of mental games with yourself, which is me. And I know a lot of guys are like this, and some have been very successful. Zach Granke is one. Um, I know John Gray can be this way, where you, you, you find different little mental games you can play to say i'm gonna look out at the scoreboard that's gonna calm me down or like you said i can reset i'm gonna uh, last season doesn't count i'm a new man i'm gonna play mental game I, that my brain works that way i think you're probably more of a rico garcia or more of a kyle freeland type of guy who's just like no 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 uh, today is the day that came after yesterday and it's going to come before tomorrow and i need to be better tomorrow than i was today and then i need to be better the day after that and that's a totally great way to be too Peter Lambert is, is almost like that. I mean, Rico almost uh, gave us a little bit more of that where, you know, Lambert can be a little drier and a little, little bit short, but I, I think they kind of come from the same school in a certain way. So, again, yeah, for, for his debut, I think he, he handled the, the scrum pretty well, especially considering, you know, maybe one person talks to him in Albuquerque after start. Right. If he does a great job or does an awful job, maybe one. Uh, and they're great people down there, too. Don't get me wrong. I, lo- I love those guys. Jeff Grammers is one of those dudes. Uh, shout out he's to him. He's usually the one. He's usually <laughs> he's the one. often the one, yeah. That's right. But, yeah, I, th- I thought Rico uh, handled himself really well with that post-game yeah. scrub. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as 
getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. The Colorado Golf Association was founded in 1915 with the purpose of representing, promoting, and serving the best interests of golf in Colorado. A CGA membership costs $59.95 yearly, and it gives you access to member offers, discounts, events and programs, a 20% discount on green fees at Common Ground Golf Course, and so much more. The best feature of Common Ground is that it's owned by the Colorado Golf Association, and that changes everything because our mission is to use Common Ground as a library laboratory for creative programs, innovative programs that will grow the game, that will introduce it to a wider audience. It's hard to put your finger on what makes a golf course fun. Uh, it's challenge, but it's also playable, and it's a great value. That was Ed May, executive director of the Colorado Golf Association. He has worked with the CGA for over 30 years now. The CGA is currently conducting its third annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle in partnership with the Bandon Dunes Resort. For $20, you can enter a raffle to win the Bandon Dunes Resort. Wonderful dream vacation that includes six rounds of golf on all three golf courses. Started selling raffle tickets a couple weeks ago, and we'll draw the lucky winner here later this summer. For a chance to win, enter at coloradogolf.org slash B-A-N-D-O-N. And then on the other end of the results and height spectrum, we have ourselves young outfielder Sam Hilliard. Longtime listeners to this podcast and readers of mine know I've been in on this kid for a long time. He was one of those guys that I discovered on one of my yearly pilgrimages out to Grand Junction to get a look at the newest, youngest members of the organization. And much like with, uh, I believe it was the year before, maybe even the year before that, with Raimal Tapia and Dom Nunez grabbing my eye in a year I went out to look at John Gray and Ryan McMahon, the big draft pick guys. Well, the Hilliard year, I want to say, was Freeland. Maybe it was Rogers, but it certainly wasn't the Sam Hilliard draft. That was not the, I, I think, I don't know, I, I have to double check. I'm going to guess he was a fifth round pick, fourth or fifth, not super low, not super high. I think he was more. I think he was like the seventeenth. Like oh, was so he's lower late. than I thought. Okay, I thought, yeah. I thought he'd go. I knew he was an under the radar guy, but I, I'm about to go into how under the radar. So I didn't <laughs> want to oversell it. So okay, because um, I showed up and here's this kid who's six five, with clear pop, and he runs like a gazelle, and he's throwing from the outfield, right field to third base on a one hop, just absolute cannon clear athlete and that those are the things you know baseball less than basketball and football is a game of athleticism probably even hockey it's probably the game where your natural athleticism of the four major sports is the least important to your success especially as a hitter but i'm not a scout and i'm not you know as much as i think i watch the game very very closely I try to do as much asking people who've played the game and who have been scouts and who are scouts and who have managed and all of that to get those little nuances. But I can tell when a dude is 6'5", can run fast, can jump high, can throw hard, right? There's no, there was no question about any of that. And 
And, and this is the one thing where I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of credit on a lot of these guys, uh, McMahon and Nunez as well, Gray. I feel like I've always been a pretty good judge of character. That's one thing that I feel I can talk to a person, I can talk to their family, get a general idea of what they're like as a person. And Sam Hilliard, 10 out of 10 in all those categories. You meet the young man, you watch him play, the athleticism, the mind for the game, how much of a family man he is. He's a great kid. Um, and then my favorite story from that year, and I've told this a couple of times, but it's worth telling one last time upon his major league debut, in which he smashed a ball 105 miles per hour off the bat, 455 feet for a home run in his first hit, or for his first hit, I should say, in the major leagues, is that I saw Sam and uh, Colin, not Caleb Ferguson, Colin Ferguson, who I, I'm not sure he's still in the Rockies organization, but... They'd been doing a, uh, a home run derby for the whole team. And Rex Brothers, little brother, Hunter Brothers. Did you follow that? I'm lost. <laughs> Rex Brothers, little brother, Hunter Brothers uh, was on the call. He had a mic. He was, he was on the PA system there in Grand Junction. The guys were having a great time. Home run derby came down to Ferguson and Hilliard. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you which one of them won. Uh, I think it actually might have been Ferguson. But... I do remember that they each hit 17 home runs in three minutes. And I stood right there behind home plate and watched them do it. And it's dry out there. There's no humidor. It's at altitude. Uh, and they're big, strong kids getting thrown meatballs right down the middle. But the young man, when he connects, it goes a long way. And so when they discovered that, that the year he actually had great natural base running instincts as well, that he could be a legit 2020 guy he's basically been that every season of his minor league career since he is an extraordinarily rare combination of power and speed yeah there's a lot of swing and miss there uh he's got some ironing out to do and if they want to try to give him a look at center field there's a lot to dive into here with sam hilliard and he may and it may be a lot to dive into and you know, he's, a, he's never been a top 100 prospect. He may be one of those guys who looks good for a couple of games, and you, you dream on the power because they crush in the minors. How many Kyle Parkers and Tim Wheelers and et cetera, et cetera, have we seen over the years? But I don't know. I, I get the feeling that this, this kid may just be able to make this thing happen. He's pretty special. His story is, um, is, is absolutely amazing. You know, he turned down a, an offer from, uh, I believe it was the Twins, you know, because they wanted him to be uh, a pitcher, which which he was at the time, and he he bet on himself, and he said, you know what, I I want to give Division One play a, a shot. He played at a, at a small uh, school called uh, Crowder College, I believe, and uh, yeah, went to Wichita State, played for the Shockers, and and you know got got his hit tool down, taken in the fifteenth round, and you know again bet on himself to do it, and uh, he did, yeah, because he had the size. Um, one interesting thing probably lost in, in yesterday's uh, dual debut is that it was probably the record for um, two players making their major league debut. The biggest uh, difference in their height, right? Right, it had to be. Yeah. yeah. No, easily. <laughs> we were talking seven inches between 5'10 right. and 6'5. And 5'10 on his tippy toes. But Hilliard, you know, he has all five of those 
tools that that you talk about and and he loves if if you read the the exclusive piece we had uh that came out just before his his debut you know he uh he loves his speed like that's his favorite tool because most people they look at him and go well there's no way speed is going to be one of those tools and they discount him and then they see how fast he is and they go oh my gosh you're right he's he's very much like a gazelle in that way you know with uh with, with a bigger body but man the legs underneath him to go um but but he has has a sixth tool and that's his personality. Like you mentioned, fantastic dude. If if you've gone and, and read some of the the other stories behind the scenes about you know what what he's been going through on on the, on the personal side with his family is it's amazing what he's been able to overcome, what his family's overcome. They're amazing people. We we got to uh, say hello to them. You know before Wednesday's game, they're you know just wonderful human beings which you always want to root for and in professional sports and when you know you 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 couple together those uh fantastic qualities and traits of of being a human with being a great athlete yeah you, now you've got something really special I, I think that's what we've got when it comes to sam hilliard right now yeah and uh make sure as you mentioned there everyone follow at team hilliard als on twitter do what you can uh, to find out what's been going on there uh, with Sam's dad and, and, and to just help them in their search to find a cure. Uh, we're going to have, I, I think, very soon, hopefully, more for you on some things we're going to try to do to raise some awareness and, and get you in contact with ways you can do everything you can to uh, help out. So if you're interested in helping out, let me know. Uh, let us know, and, and we'll kind of direct you toward what you can do to help out the Hilliards and uh, and just try to help find a cure for this horrible, horrible thing that afflicts uh, far too many people, and, and hopefully we can find a way to do something about it. Uh, to In artfully, because that's the only way you can transition back to talking about the young man's baseball game, I have been, and we were talking about this a lot yesterday, um, and, and actually I should say before we get into his defense, I, I should remind everybody that though he is young, he is just barely old enough to drink a Breckenridge brew if he wants to. He can head on down to Total Beverage, or he can go to any one of our other favorite sports bars out here in Lodo, the Blake Street Tavern Sports Column get himself a Breck brew, a vanilla porter, an oatmeal stout, a strawberry sky, the beer of the summer. Honestly, he strikes me as an avalanche amber ale kind of guy. I don't want to say he's a, he's a fuddy-duddy. I'm not calling anyone who drinks the avalanche boring. I drink it all the time. I'm just saying, don't let it be the only one you drink. Stretch out a little bit. Try the strawberry sky in the wintertime an oatmeal stout of vanilla porter. It'll warm you by the fire. Uh, they're fantastic. But as long as it's a Breckenridge brew, you know it's going to be damn good beer. But if you're going to drink it, drink it after you play center field. You can't drink a Breckenridge brew and play center field at Coors. You gotta, you gotta be, in fact, you got to do that, I think, only in the offseason. If you have one beer, uh, you're going to have a, a tough time playing out there. There was one play that was... Ugly. Admittedly, I mean, he called off Ian Desmond on a ball and then stopped, and it bounced into the outfield. He even even said later that, and I thought this was kind of a brave thing for him to say after the game that he had to laugh it off. Because man, you make a, a bad play like that, you you let a ball drop that maybe should have been caught and went for an RBI double. People see you rookie laughing. 
the, some people aren't going to like that. But I think Hilliard recognizes that he's better off if he doesn't beat himself up over this stuff. He knows he cares. And he actually attributed his ability to very quickly get over that defensive lapse to his quality at bats later on, drawing a walk and then hitting the big home run. You can't dwell on this game. Short memory is uh, talk about important tools. We don't, we don't talk enough about that one. Who are the guys on the teams with the, the shortest memories? I think sometimes even some of the Rockies' best players, Nolan Arenado is a guy who can struggle at times to have a short memory. Sam Hilliard showing you in game one with a big mistake right out there in front of however many 30,000 people there were at the game yesterday. He just dropped one. He doesn't let it fall at his feet. That could be the most important takeaway for this month of September. I, I've been talking with plenty of folks about, you know, up here in the press box, like what should the Rockies be doing? Yes, obviously, you know, bringing up some of the young players, seeing what they've got. But, you know, trying to maybe get some momentum to go into the 2020 season. So, you know, winning games still has some importance, but it's hard to do that when you're, you know, putting rookies in these big situations, particularly the ones in the bullpen. But I think learning that, uh, ability or, or, or picking up that knack for letting that bat go and shaking it off and going back out there with, with, with a, a refreshed memory so you don't sweat those things. That could be the biggest piece that these young players pick up because, you know, they, this team knows how good they are. They know how they're, they're super talented. And with all of the, the right ones coming back next year, you know, there, there's no reason why they shouldn't, you know, get back to the playoffs for the third time in four years. In fact, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to do that. Right. More, maybe even more so than, than this year. But, um, you know, I think that's what the, the young players are, are going to figure out. And for Hilliard to, to pick that up in his first game a little bit because that was, that's him, that's his mentality, and a little bit because that's what he saw around him with some other guys when, you know, the team's down. 10 to 2 at a certain point but they're still going out there playing their best shaking it off and and you know producing and you saw them get two runs in the eighth and the ninth on tuesday night and and part of that is because of that ability to say okay cool great now i have another chance to do something big i'm not going to worry about what had just happened i've only got i've got one more at bat today i gotta make the most of it or i think you could even see like i felt like we could see on every ball hit to center field sam hilliard being like okay i've got a chance here i'm gonna try to make the most of it do the good thing, even on the one where he ended up doing the bad thing, you can almost see him go, okay, all right, next time I'm going to do this differently. Like you, you can almost see it in real time, him processing that information. So uh, we're, we actually talked to him a little bit about that. We're going to have an article coming up before too long about him getting more used to playing in center field. I actually had to double check all that. I, I had known him primarily as a corner outfield guy. The Rockies have had, them, had him out there more in center this year, and there's a lot of reasons why that makes sense that it may be even the best case scenario if he can figure it out to keep wear and tear off of guys like David Dahl, not only for that reason, but just he may be the best tooled player to ultimately do it at 6'5 with a cannon arm with the way he's got to cover so much ground out there and the plus-plus speed that we've talked about. If he can handle the nuances of a position he hasn't played quite as much as the corners, then they could have themselves a guy who can give a ton of value even in those games where he's going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. He's saying, yeah, but he played a hell of a center field today. And you talked about the not-so-great play, but that definitely was a nice play. Uh, you got to give him was the, the ball that he went back on to the fence. Up it was, against the wall. It yeah. was actually right before you know he, he got his big knock, and – 
we talked to him after the game again once the scrum left, as uh, we are kind of prone to do with the relationships that we have with these guys, saying, talking about some things off the record, some things on the record that, you know, we're working on pieces. And, you know, that, that woke him up in a good way. Um, he's sort of, if, if you're not familiar with the home ballpark of the Albuquerque Isotopes, there's this very interesting configuration out in center field called uh, Topes Slope. Uh, it's not Taj's Hill? No, no. That, that would, would have been in Houston. Uh, that would have been uh, infringement, right? Yes. And as uh, some players don't know, and, and uh, hopefully I'm not uh, breaking the, the, the fourth wall too much, but that hill in center field is also nicknamed the Glen Allen Hill uh, in center by, by some folks. Shout-outs to <laughs> those who so know who good. they are. And uh, I found it interesting that some of the players didn't didn't know. Why that would nickname. you not call it the Glen? That's Allen almost Hill. better. That's almost better to name it after the manager, the Glen Allen Hill. Um, but yeah, so Hilliard goes back on this ball, and and if you go back and watch the play, he didn't have that fearful look in his eye, and his body didn't tense up once he got to the dirt of the warning track. He ready. kept going back. Now, some of that actually, he admitted, you know, had to do with him like kind of not realizing where he was in that moment, but he caught it smashed up against the wall and usually when you do that the wall wins i actually think that was a draw yeah straight you know, draw when you're as, when you're as as big of a human as, as hilliard is it that was kind of a a draw you saw the wall do a little shake there but that woke him up came back into the dugout and then boom hit that pop into the uh right center field over the barrier into the rockies bullpen and and helped make history Beautiful swing, beautiful swing, imitating his good uh, close buddy, who then, of course, we all got to see him giving hugs in the dugout with Dom Nunez, who just a few weeks ago also got his first major league hit with a home run in very much the same spot. They were almost mirror images of each other. It's kind of creepy in a way how how close they were, but it really was a, a very special debut for Sam Hilliard. And, and like Nunez, they both came in relatively lopsided losses and that's unfortunate for the team uh but he didn't look scared and i think those are the the biggest things for these young guys moving forward is to try to show and prove that you belong at this level and like you said carve out your your role for that team next year that you expect to be good you want to be on that team it makes it a little bit easier to feel comfortable when all the guys that are in the clubhouse are the dudes that you played with you know i i joked with mcmahon i was like dude you're the veteran now Right, right. Now, now granted, it's, you Old know, guy. Both, both Hilliard and Garcia are older than McMahon. But, I mean, McMahon, it's crazy to think that a 24-year-old player is, you know, one of the more tenured uh, guys on the team. It's the same thing with, with Peter Lambert, you know, starting on Wednesday night, 22 years old. And it's like he's got the most big league starts. He's, he's been the longest tenured pitcher with the Rockies. Right. And that's kind of the, the state of the world that we're in right now. So when these young guys come up, it's just it's an extension of AAA. It's part of that. Um, organizational foundation of, of developing within, keeping these guys homegrown and, and really, you know, continuing to build the family, which is something that Dick Monfort has always been about. That's what the Monfort family has always been about, not bringing in these uh, mercenaries and, and things of that nature because a lot of teams do that. They win championships. We saw the Florida Marlins. Now Miami Marlins do that. And uh, I'll, I'll remember, you know, Drew Goodman saying this at the dedication and the announcement of McGregor Square that, you know, Kelly and him and, and, and the Monforts, they were all in agreement that, yeah, you know, it would be great to win a World Series, but let's do it with, with our guys. Let's do it with people we know, with good people, with family, and not do it with mercenaries. And you may or may not agree with that, but 
that is one of the you know the the ethos and, and the pathos, if you will, of this franchise. And we're seeing that right now with these young guys coming up and extending the family, feeling comfortable, and making that immediate impact. Yeah, there there are definitely benefits to that. I know when the team is losing, a lot of people want to point to that as a sense of tension, as a sense of uh, a problem that the Rockies are loyal or that they play it like a family and they treat these guys this way. But, I mean, you, you pointed out the Marlins. I, I talked about this on a podcast not too long ago, but w- when people point out the cold-blooded teams, they always want to point out the ones that are successful. No one ever wants to hold up the White Sox or the Seattle Mariners as an example of teams that wheel and deal and have nothing to show for it. They also seem pretty happy to kind of glaze over the San Francisco Giants and Kansas City Royals winning World Series with largely homegrown talent teams and family at the center of what they do and feeling a very close personal attachment to growing their own players and not bringing in mercenaries, as you put it. So I don't think there's one right way. I don't think there's one wrong way. But I do know that universally when we talk to these guys when they come up, they're all very happy. And you're going to hear, actually, I've, I'm push, I've pushed this again on the next podcast from Chad Bettis, who now talk about the old guy, the, the, the real guy who's really the old man of the bunch. And he's, what, barely 30. He might even still be 29. Is Chad Bettis. He's been in this organization for nine years. And he talks about how he wants to win here with these guys, with these people. Uh, these are his brothers, and they always have been. And they think of each other that way. And there are times that absolutely helps them. Are, are there times that hurts the Colorado Rockies? Maybe. I could, I could see that. I could absolutely concede to that. But I, I will never concede to the notion that it doesn't, on the flip side, do so many things to help them just run a better baseball organization and, and keep the, the young men inside of it happy to be a part of it. So... I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. I want to thank anyone who listened in via whatever podcast app you might happen to be using out there. Give us a little five-star rating, a little one-sentence review. If you've got the time in your day, it really does help other people find us. Give us a like on Facebook. All the social media, at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lines. You can email us anytime, Drew or Patrick, at bsndenver.com. And you can head over to bsndenver.com to check out our events calendar for fun stuff we got coming up. Make sure you can find a new t-shirt to buy. There's some really great new designs we've got out there. Uh, One that's a little bit controversial, but it's there. You can go and check it out. And just whatever you do, promise us that you'll continue to be absolutely awesome. We will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only... Are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines? You're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. 
I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.